In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. My Lord and my God, I firmly believe that you are here, that you see me, that you hear me. I adore you with profound reverence. I ask your pardon for my sins and the grace to make this time of prayer fruitful. My Immaculate Mother, St. Joseph, my Father and Lord, my guardian angel, intercede for you. We can begin our prayer using the prayer of the apostles. Increase our faith. Increase my faith. The theme of this conversation with our Lord is on habitual faith called fidelity. Lord, what do you want us to see? Fidelity comes from the word faith, an ongoing faith. And let's use a reflection of St. Jose Maria to aid us in our prayer. Taken from the way under the chapter of faith, stir up the fire of your faith. Christ is not a figure of the past. He is not a memory lost in history. He lives. Jesus Christus eri et odie ipse et in secula. As St. Paul says, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday and today. Yes and forever. Our vocation as Christians and as faithful of the prelature, is to evangelize. As Pope Francis says, an important part of this work of evangelization is to attract people to Christ through our friendship, through our charity, through our counsel, and Jesus reveals the collective vocation of his mystical body, and we're all part of this collective vocation, and that is to bring everyone to Christ. His timing was, humanly speaking, pretty bad, humanly speaking, because he was going to cut the disciples loose into a very hostile and hedonistic world that we call ancient Rome, Roman Empire. And the history of that first evangelization, which happens to be the new evangelization, is written by the Holy Spirit. And that history book is called the New Testament. And as we read through the New Testament from the Acts of the Apostles to the end, there's kind of a holy apostolic urgency there. In a sense, there's an alternation between exhortations towards sanctity and attracting people to God. And you see, in the inspired Word of God, 
how holiness and sanctity are one reality. This is an ongoing miracle that our Lord is asking of us, but it's his miracle. He willed it so. He makes it clear before he sets them loose into this work of evangelization that they need to exercise a certain fidelity. And they need to enter into that heart of Christ through three entranceways. The vine, which is the Eucharist, the pruning through the cross, and through mental prayer, nourishment on the Word of God, abiding in His Word. Under no uncertain terms, Jesus says we will be fruitful, we work miracles. He says without that kind of fidelity, you can do nothing. Even as an instrument, you can do nothing. This intimate union needs to be there. Lord, enlighten us on what you want of us. We know academically what he wants, but help us see in a way that we could make a resolution, undergo a mini-conversion. We notice throughout the Gospels that Jesus never commends himself upon working a miracle. And maybe our immediate reaction is, well, because he's perfect man, perfect God and perfect man, so he's perfectly humble, so that's not going to be his style. But humility is truth. Miracles are divine work. And he never fails to give attribution to the requester of the miracle. Whether it's the father of the boy with the unclean spirit, whether it's the blind man, whether it's one of the apostles, whether it's a woman with a hemorrhage or with a possessed daughter. There's give and take. At times there's pushback. And then if there's perseverance, our Lord says you did it. It's because of your faith that you work the miracle. Great is your faith. And so it's always the faith. So what are you telling me, Lord, that you need my faith? That this work of apostolate, of attraction to Christ, hopefully in many cases, resulting in profound conversions and vocation, is a partnership. And we supplement your words, Lord, with your permission, without you, we could do nothing, but you have willed it so. You're conditioned by our faith. We don't want St. Augustine to throw up a red flag. My medieval students, if they're awake, are saying, uh-oh, the guy's, you know, contradicting himself and falling into Pelagianism. You know, compliments to the English monk, sixth-century monk Pelagius that um, said we could do it all on our own. 
We can't do it on our own. But our Lord has willed our cooperation. So he needs that faith. He needs my fidelity. In a certain sense, we don't need faith to see that saints are always fruitful. In many cases, they see results. At times, they don't see results. But we, you know, we see that they're eminently fruitful. It's just a statistical fact. There is a correlation between this work of evangelization and holiness. When we think about faith, and rightfully so, we think about trusting, not doubting, and obviously that's a, an important component. But as we contemplate these miracles of Jesus, we see that there's more to faith, even though it definitely includes it, than trusting not doubting. What is it? Well, let's look in the Gospel where the Gospel states he, he couldn't work a miracle. It wasn't he chose not to. He could not. There's only one case of that. And my immediate reaction is, well, he went home to his hometown to visit friends and family. And so he comes back and and what do they want? Well, you know, medicine will take almost a couple of thousand years to uh, go beyond quackery. And so, you know, he's it. He's the best physician in the whole empire. Helps to be God. And he, not only that, I mean, he, he puts meteorologists to shame. Calm storms, stops thunder and lightning. It would be nice to have him come on an excursion. You want waves? You got waves. <laughs> you don't want waves? No waves. Depends what you want. And so I, I figured that at first face value, well, these people, what's wrong with these people? They didn't trust that he could work a miracle because that's what it says here. And he could do no mighty work there except that he laid his hands upon a few sick people and healed them, and he marveled because of their unbelief. Something doesn't really add up because I, I think they did trust. I mean, they saw a lot of this stuff going on. They heard about it. But there was something else missing, and you go through this slowly. And something similar happened with the apostles, trying to cast out the unclean spirit from the boy who was rolling about, foaming at the mouth. It was probably one of the messier miracles. And, um, you know, there's an argument going on. I mean, it's quite a scene. Because the apostles did receive a certain kind of power. And they believed that they could do it. Watch this, everybody. Come on. Nothing happened. It's not working. Did they trust? Yeah, they trusted. They wouldn't have attempted to cast him out if they didn't trust. Then our Lord comes, reprimands 
the apostles, reprimands everybody there because, you know, faithless generation, how long should I put up with you? The Mediterranean culture, as you notice. Bring them here. Father's crying, I mean, if you believe all things are possible, then Father gets emotional and says, I believe, but help my unbelief. And our Lord casts them out, rolls about a bit, does a little bit more foaming. and Casting out demons is a little bit more, you notice, is a little bit more messier. It's not, it's not a slam dunk like the other one. The older translation says the following. Paul says, what happened? All right, you balled us out, fine. But what happened? You know, in the privacy of a room. What did we do wrong? Maybe we didn't follow the formula you told us. What did we do wrong? And he said, this kind could be cast out only by prayer and fasting. It's more than just believing or trusting. Key part of it. More than that. Well, Lord, what do you want us to do? We could be enlightened by this phrase of Blessed Alvaro about St. Jose Maria. Fortuitously, I mean, you probably know background a little bit. Get together, one, one of the guys was saying, well, you know, in the times of our father, Don Alvaro stopped him and he said, we're always in those times of our Father, in the times of St. Jose Maria. That was a very poignant life of faith, those early days. It was mentioned in the first meditation. And those, those are key years, his whole life, but those are key years. Because they drive home what fidelity really means. And I would say maybe a corollary to that very special time would be the late 70s to the beatification of our father with Don Alvaro, with Blessed Alvaro. In this morning's prayer, there was reference made to St. Jose Maria. The miraculous catch. That miracle, the multiplication of the loaves of the fish, the feast of Cana revealed what our Lord wants in our life of faith, what fidelity means. He reveals it's there. Three very diverse miracles. But there is a bit of a common thread. Not only do they have to trust and believe and go beyond the limitations of their experiences and of their intellects, miraculous catch, they pulled an all-nighter fishing. I can just imagine the apostles, especially Peter, needed a little bit of anger management, They were tired, they were discouraged, but their livelihood, no fish, not tonight, thirsty, want to go to bed, 
Our Lord comes at 6.30 in the morning as they're folding their nets. Hey, I want to give a meditation. All right, go ahead, give it. Well, there's a lot of people, so I need your boat. Uh, okay. It goes out from the boat. Finally, he's done. Now we can go home. No, go out and fish some more. Peter said, we've toiled all night and caught nothing. We're professionals. And sure, this was not you know, a question of 10 seconds. And our Lord says, lower your net for a catch. And Peter says, at your word, we'll lower the nets. They have to, basically, have to really give themselves. In that instance, they had to give it all. It's this gift of love that we have to ask our Lord for and keep rectifying. Faith does not contradict reason, but goes beyond it. And it does require of giving yourself and then leaving it in the hands of our Lord. The other miracle, multiplication of the loaves of the fish, kind of the same kind of deal. There's no Arby's in those days or McDonald's or Subway. No. DQ. Jesus was on a roll and all of a sudden, hey, these people have to eat something. Seeing that a multitude was coming to him, Jesus said to Philip, how are we to buy bread so that these people may eat? This he said to test him, for he himself knew what he would do. Philip answered him, 200 denarii would not buy enough bread for each of them to get a little. Another gospel, just to fill in the blanks a little bit. One apostle said, maybe it was Andrew, there is a lad here who has five barley loaves and two fish, but what are they among so many? And what does our Lord say? Jesus said, make the people sit down. That young boy gave his lunch to our Lord. And what does our Lord say? It's not the quantity, it's not the performance, it's giving yourself. Whether it's two copper coins, or five loaves and two fish, that's what I need. And Peter will say to him, listen, I'm not in your league. He's definitely right that he was a sinful man. You'll see a little bit later that he was. So it wasn't false humility, and our Lord knew it wasn't. He says, listen, you know, I'm, I think you've got to give somebody else the nod. You know, after he saw that miraculous catch, he said, this is way beyond me. I'm not in his league, that's for sure. Wow. But I'm glad I obeyed. <laughs> Even though he's a carpenter, he does know a lot about fishing after all. The gospel reads like an afterthought, but it's very key to the miracle. And what does the Lord say? Don't be afraid, I'm going to make you a fisher of men. The end of that section is that they left all things and followed. Again, that's self-gift. 
that's what I want to do. Lord, with your enlightenment, you know, give it to me in installments. Don't overwhelm me. But in installments, how can I be more faithful in terms of my entrega, in terms of my self-giving? Briefly, now we need to produce wine. Maybe a modicum of water. Our Lady is the perfect disciple, and she turns out to be a lot of fun. She could have said, you know, I'm, I'm happy you've run out of wine. Moderation here. She urged her son, you know, you got to do something. My hour's not come. I don't care. I'm your mother. Make it happen. Make something happen. And there was a potential miracle, a miracle in potency. The bulk of the miracle was Mary's conversation with Jesus. But to make it happen, what do we see again? Fill the containers with water. Well, there was no faucet. You know, just go downstairs in the laundry room and just turn on the faucet and fill these containers, which added up to minimally between, the gospel commentaries say, between 70 and 130 gallons of water. That's a lot of water in an arid climate with no faucet. And the gospel says that they filled them to the brim. Weddings were a week-long celebration. And so what happened? Well, what activated this divine power? Because our Lord willed it so. This self-gift of the workers in Cana. Lord, how can I be more generous in using the supernatural means? The game changer here is the presence of our Lord, and, and we make our Lord present, as it were, through these three ports of entry, through my prayer, through my spirit of sacrifice, usually in little things and sometimes in bigger things. And that's what kind of marked that life of St. Jose Maria in those early days. What is so obvious was the amount of prayer he generated, the amount of sacrifice and self-giving without seeing results. And Blessed Albert did the same thing to secure from our Lord this special intention, the beatification of St. Jose Maria, the extension of the work into communist countries, and I just remember, I saw it firsthand experience, uh, how many pilgrimages he would make, how much prayer he would generate uh, in order to obtain that from our Lord. Now we end our prayer. The paradigm of all this is the greatest miracle, which was the incarnation. As we prayed in the creed, it's the work of the Holy Spirit. But in concert with this teenage girl, our Lady, who gave it all, who said fiat. And it was that partnership between Our Lady and the Holy Spirit that brought the Son of God into our world. Analogously, we want to do the same thing. And so we go to you, Mary, for your intercession, that we be enlightened on how to be more faithful by giving ourselves more to the will of your Son. I thank you, my God, for the good resolutions, affections, and inspirations you've communicated to me in this meditation. I ask your help in putting them into effect. My Immaculate Mother, St. Joseph, my Father and Lord, my Guardian Angel, intercede for me. Holy Mary, our hope, handmaid of the Lord.